I'm Matt Bush with BPR News. I'm speaking with Reverend Dr. Marsha Mountshoot, pastor at Grace Covenant Presbyterian Church here in Asheville, also the co-host of our Going Deep podcast. Thank you for coming in. Oh, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So your doctorate's in religious studies. Mm-hmm. How much was Billy Graham and what he did as a figure <laughs> really part of how any religious student in the United States would see as they study Christianity? Well, I mean, one of the most important concepts that you study when you're looking at the landscape of religion in America is the phenomena of the denominations in this country. That's sort of the touchstone of what it means to be especially Protestant in America, but also just Christian in America. Um, So Billy Graham um, is an interesting figure because he sort of was a trailblazer, probably unconsciously so, um, in creating a, a space in which those lines started to blur and not be so important. He really had a broad appeal like no one else before him, and frankly, probably not, not many other people after him, that began to loosen the hold that that the denominational lines, especially in mainline Protestantism, had on, frankly, everything from the government to the economy to just the kind of conventional culture of this country. So you can't, you sort of can't understate that um, if he jiggled that loose, he he did something profound in this country. Yeah, he was ordained Southern Baptist in Southern the Southern Baptist Church, mm-hmm. but it had a break with them sort of early in his career. How did you? How did he blur the lines? And what is the significance again of blurring the lines that it was no longer being a Baptist or being a Presbyterian or being a Methodist that it became being a Christian? Well, I think he blurred the lines in a lot of ways. Um, first was just in his persona. I mean, he people were gravitated to him. People listened to him. He had a lot of integrity, um, and the, and people responded to that. Um, just the fact that he was a Southern Baptist living in Montreat, which as a Presbyterian, I can tell you, is is the Mecca of, of Southern Presbyterians, at least. Um, and he navigated those waters just seamlessly. He was loved there. And um, people tell stories of just how he was always ready to stop and talk and greet people no matter who you were. And, um, you know, he was... He was a gracious person. Um, But I think one of the bigger things he did was um, he spoke to the heart of of human beings, you know, whether you were American. I mean, this was global as well. Um, And he he elicited change in people. He um, people turned their lives around because of him. He was uh, he was a transformative voice um and 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 it was effective um so i think one of the ways he he shook loose denominational lines is is that there there became something very predictable and stale about well you're methodist and you do this you're presbyterian you do this and the baptists do this and um he kind of breathed life into well if you're christian you do this now, not all Christians would agree with his interpretation of that, but certainly um, he opened the door for a lot of people to kind of take on an identity as Christian rather than Presbyterian or Methodist or or whatever, or Baptist. 
and it sort of led to what we would now call evangelical Christianity, at least in the modern era, uh, that he sort of, as you said, blurred the denominational lines so that no longer that wasn't what you identified with, I guess, mm-hmm. many Christians, that it became evangelical Christians. Is how, how do you how do you look at that? Well, it's interesting because he's sort of a complicated part of that of that trajectory in this country because in some ways evangelical is now equated with conservative politically um, or the religious right you know technically that term evangelical just means that you are called to spread the good news of Jesus Christ so every Christian should be evangelical but that term has certainly become politicized and Billy Graham was a person who um, was certainly up close to the political conversation, but he did it in a very savvy way. And he kind of pushed back toward uh, against the religious right on some things. So he was a, he was a bridge person in some ways, but then he was also somebody who, um, could speak truth into a lot of different communities. Now saying that he was also a, a complicated man. Um, he, you know, America wants a hero. We want somebody who's all good, but he's just like the rest of us. You know, his the things that had integrity for him also created complexity with for people like me, a woman in ministry, or um, people who um, were LGBTQ in their sexual identity. Um, he was also a complicated part of the civil rights conversation um, in the 60s. Um, where he he insisted on um, not speaking to segregated audiences. He also wanted to put the brakes on, you know, some of the activism of the black church. So he he really had a way of kind of he was really sort of a hybrid figure that that even when people disagreed with him, he found a way to be in relationship um, that wasn't without complexity. And I, and I think in many ways, in that way, he holds up a mirror to us um, as Americans in terms of our religious identity. Not only is somebody we could aspire to be who doesn't have to kind of fit in one box, but um, as somebody who shows us some of our some of our demons, you know, that we don't we don't really deal with race as well as we should as Christians. We don't. We haven't been able to graft in um, issues of gender um, and sexual identity as seamlessly as one would hope a faith that is based on love would do. Um, so I, I find him to be somebody that's he, he gives us many gifts in the way he lived his life, both in the in the wonderful things that he did and the people that he touched and in the things that he didn't do perfectly and didn't do well in some ways talk about you had the crusades filled stadiums now there were preachers obviously before him that would do more sort of the tent revival kind mm. of thing but as in the modern era as we built these much larger stadiums for sports and all that he was filling those what about him and i guess what about this sort of phenomenon of going to these very large gatherings do people gravitate to and i guess why do they gravitate necessarily to him or his message to go to these very large gatherings to see someone preach yeah what a great question and and Lucky for me, it connects to sports, too. <laughs> so, 
Um, what an important thing for us to pay attention to these days as, you know, kind of sports fandom is, you know, kind of off the charts in popularity and, you know, kind of the practice of Christianity isn't. And what he did was he he created an experience for people. It was a visceral experience. It was a revival. It was there was energy. There were feelings. There was movement. Lives were changed. People felt things in their bodies. They they left that those experiences different and word spread. So I think it's it gets down to the deep, you know, kind of embodied um, experience that we're all hungry for to really be fully alive. And he gave people a way to do that in the context of faith. And he also gave people a way to do that in the context of salvation, which, you know, is no small thing. Um, if you, you promise someone that, that they're going to be okay, um, that's a compelling message. So I think he really tapped into something deeply um, ontological about what makes human beings motivated to change their lives and to actually take a whole day and go and be somewhere and spend time with people and take a risk. He he was a master at that. He really was. Um, there aren't many people like him. <laughs> Where does now, I guess, Christianity stand, you know, Protestant Christianity, mm-hmm. mainline Christianity, uh, with his death? And you've talked some of the things about how denominational lines were sort of blurred, and there's this identity of evangelical Christianity that sort of takes hold. Where does it stand now? Mm-hmm. Um, do Does your denomination, does your identity with a denomination still matter as much as, say, it would have 50, 60, 70 years ago? That's an interesting question right now, because what I'm seeing is a, a little bit of a, a kind of soft resurgence of denominationalism right now. I think it's because of our political climate and people are looking for frameworks of meaning and how to be engaged in what's happening in the world. Um, I also think we're in a, a a sort of sobering place in terms of the religious conversation and how religion and politics um, are intersecting. Um, I don't, I can't think of a time when Christians were more divided against each other. Um, I think in this country right now, um, you know, there's a lot of grief around how Christianity motivates people and to take part into the political conversation and how alienated we feel from people who claim the same faith tradition. I don't think that cuts across denominational lines as much right now as it does across partisan lines. Um, But at least in the Presbyterian church, I'm seeing some evidence where people are kind of coming back to, well, who are we as Presbyterians? And what does it mean that this that this faith tradition has embraced um, the the practice, the faith practice of protest and reform and transformation? Um, I don't know how like huge of a kind of wash of new membership or anything that's bringing in, but I'm sensing a new energy around those questions. And I just think it's because how of how much is up for grabs right now in our country 
politically and probably spiritually, too, I guess. <laughs> you sort of hinted at it a, a bit briefly in one of your earlier answers about um, Billy Graham's sort of, you know, what he practiced and what he preached about gender. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that's sort of most famously known is the Billy Graham role, where he would not be in a room alone with a woman who was not his wife. And we sort of saw a resurgence of this, at least an interest of it, because Vice President Mike Pence uh, follows this. What is your take on it? And, and you mentioned the complexity. It's far more complex to you, even as a woman in ministry, of what that role really means. Absolutely. It is more complex. And I think it Again, if Billy Graham does anything for us today as Americans, as he passes on to his great reward, let it be that he holds a mirror up to us. Um, his rule, the Billy Graham rule about the way he um, engaged with women was in a time when it it was not uncommon for you know men in power to abuse their power and to use that to have sexual relationships with women who they had more power than. Now we're seeing right now with our Me Too moment that that has persisted and that it's an epidemic in our country that men with power um, have, we have a lot of evidence that many of them abuse their power and um, and they do it by acting out aggressively sexually with with women who have less power. So on the one hand, the feminist in me says, hey, I'm your equal. We should be able to sit down and have a meeting, just the two of us, um, and engage in a conversation about theology or church politics. And um, I, I feel like we should be able to do that. But then there's another part of me that has lived in the church long enough and knows how patriarchal of an institution it is to know that there are very few examples I can give you of that in which there wasn't some complexity to the men that I was engaging with in terms of the way they were using their power. So, yes, it's problematic that um, that he had that kind of hard and fast rule, but. I'll take a Billy Graham any day over <laughs> um, a sexual predator. And this was the the practice he had to maintain integrity. As far as I know, he did. I hope we don't ever hear of the story coming out that, that he didn't. As far as I know, he did. And, you know, I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful that he didn't um, ruin people's lives by not... Um, holding that line so i do think um you know as a feminist myself i know how quickly we can draw lines and say well you're either you're either with him or against him on this and i'm kind of both i'm kind of i see the i see the offense of it and i also see the gift of it the last question the southern identity of it yeah um what does that mean that he was Southern, and how did that, I guess, really help him build such a great audience hmm. and build such a great following? Was his Southern identity a part of that? And obviously what it means to people in this region that he was Southern and that, you know, the the, the museum and the library, all that will be in Charlotte. There are things here in Asheville. Mm -hmm. The importance of his Southern identity to what he did. 
Well, first of all, I don't want to offend you as as somebody from Pennsylvania, but everything sounds better in a southern accent. Is that so. why John speaks the way he does? Because <laughs> yes. he is from Pittsburgh, yes, just know. like me. <laughs> but he has appropriated that because he knows how effective it is. So the first thing is just it's more pleasing to hear things in a southern accent. I'm biased, but but yes, I do think his southern identity um, is important, and I think also. Um, a complicated part of his identity as we see this kind of retrenchment of some of the worst parts of Southern identity around race um, and just around the kind of hard and fast cultural lines that, that the South can kind of embody. Um, they're everywhere else in our country too, but this, as Southerners, we just have a way of really amplifying those, <laughs> those things. Um, and so, you know, we have to remember Billy Graham was a Southern pastor with a world, you know, kind of stage. And he did something really radical when he said, Martin Luther King, join me at the pulpit. And I will not speak to this audience if it is a segregated audience. And he did something um, that was um, that was toxic by by pushing back against the activism of the black church, saying "slow down." You know, he could have been one of the pers- people that Martin Luther King was talking about in his letter from the Birmingham jail. Um, he didn't want there to be marches. He didn't want. Um, them to push so hard people of color to push so hard about these changes in our society and and some people would argue he really helped a nixon and other people with um the southern strategy quote unquote so his southern identity was a potent part of his impact and uh just like everything else about him not without complexity well, Reverend Dr. Marshall Mountshoop, thank you so much for coming in. You're obviously quite used to being in the studio here, <laughs> but thank you so much for coming in and talking today. Well, it's always a pleasure, Matt. Thank you for having me.